This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. This is Chris here with Justin, and for the second week in a row, we're uh, we're having another conversation with a very special guest. We have uh, Olaf Thorson of Labyrinth and Vision Divine and uh, Shining Black as well uh, joining us. And uh, last time we met with Olaf, we spoke about uh, the beginnings of Vision Divine and their first album. And now we're going to talk about the beginnings of Labyrinth and their first album, No Limits, which we spoke about earlier this week. But uh, Olaf, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate uh, having you back and welcome back. Uh, good to have you. Hi, everybody. Justin, Chris. It's a pleasure being with you. And thanks for the invitation. Thank you uh, so much for joining us. We're going to take a little trip back in time as we go back over 25 years uh, to the Labyrinth debut album. I, I cannot believe it. it's been over 25 years um, since, this, since this album came out. It must, uh, in, in certain ways, it feels like yesterday for us. I, I hope you can say the same. Yeah, absolutely. Don't say 25 years. I suffer when I think... It is for real 25 years. <laughs> time goes by. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I guess we're going to get things kicked off um, with uh, just where, where did the, uh, the idea for, for Labyrinth begin and um, kind of just talk about the, the formation of the, the band <laughs> and how you got to... Um, you know, getting all the, the band members together and then, and then going into the process of getting, going into a studio and recording this first album? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> it's, it's a very long story, as you, as you probably can imagine. I will try to make it short. We were a bunch of teenagers having fun in a garage playing the rock star dudes, without having any idea about what the future would have how <laughs> uh, would have been. I don't know. We were just having fun. Back back really back then before No Limits, we were a band a three pieces band. I was guitar and vocals. We had uh, a drummer and a bass player. That was all. And our music was pretty much different from what you know nowadays, we were uh, Sepultura and Creator-like, so that, that's where we come from. Oh. Then, yeah, the thrash side of things, huh? I never liked that. Uh, yeah, we were playing a sort of, back then, if you remember, if you're old enough, you may remember that the, the, the label of the, the genre was called Techno Trash. Techno Trash. So, we were yes. playing something like that. It was trash, a bit, more, a bit more technical. Nowadays, they would surely add the progressive 
label on it. But back then it was called techno trash. It was very fast, very aggressive. Uh, we were already going very melodic anyway in our music. But especially for live, I didn't enjoy having to play and sing. So that, that's how we started looking for a singer. And actually, I was expecting someone more aggressive. But this blonde guy with curly hair <laughs> entered the mm -hmm. studio and entered the room. And he, he applied, like, okay, I, I can come and give it a try. I would like to. And it was Mr. Fabio Leone. So the moment he sang, he opened his mouth. I knew he was the singer. And, and I say, okay, we have a problem because this guy is really good. And at the same time, I knew our music was going to change because his voice was completely different. And th that's very quick. It's long in time. But then we immediately started working to the songs which we put in our first demo, the Midnight Resistance. And when Midnight Resistance was simply sent to some labels for fun, uh, we actually recorded the, the demo uh, deciding to disband right after. So we recorded the demo and then we say goodbye because we were playing, hmm. we were very young, no money, and playing, kind of living in different cities. So just to meet and, and, and do everything, it was very, very complicated, very expensive. Then I received this um, telephone call. There was no email. <laughs> I got this telephone call from Andreas Reisnauer, uh, those who are into the business might remember the guy from Metal Blade Records. But back then, he was still at Massacre. And he really dig. He told me, I really dig the, the demo, and I would like to have it released as an album. But hmm. we didn't like the idea. Yeah, we didn't like the idea. We know it was a demo. We didn't take it too seriously. And uh, we said, okay, no, we're going we're gonna to go first with... We want to write new music for a new album. And the band was, anyway, to be rebuilt. We still were the same members, but, you know, we needed to focus a bit more. And so we, we decided, anyway, for the first album, having no experience, we decided to sign for a, an Italian label, which is a, a, a label from a very, the best talent scout we ever had in Italy, Maurizio Chiarello from Underground Symphony. And, you know, with, right. a, with a small label, such a great guy, we had total freedom. We could do anything we wanted. And we were always been like that. We never liked someone to tell us what to do. And, and Maurizio was the best guy. He said, do whatever you want. I like what you play. I like what, what you sent me. And, and so we recorded Piece of Time, the first EP, and right... I mean, in the same in the same shift, we recorded also No Limits, the, the full album. The band with, back then was um, we had Frank Endeavor on drums. We had uh, a different bass player was uh, Andrea Bartoletti. We had, of course, me and, and Andrea on guitars. We had uh, Ken Taylor on on keyboards. And we had uh, Fabio Leone on uh, on vocals, of course. Uh, maybe later you will want to know why, how, and why we we chose the stage names. That that's another funny story. But 
that, that is, was a so it is. top we of the went... list of questions, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it will come. Um, it's, it's all part of, did the you... same, of this. No, I just wanted to, to specify something which is unbelievable nowadays. But we actually entered the studio alone. There was no producer, no sound engineer. So no limits. Wow. It's made by a it's made by a bunch of guys trying to understand what was that button doing. <laughs> uh, we had Frank Andiver. He, he was he was running a very small studio, so Frank was was helping us with that. But we really had no idea. We never recorded a real album. Yeah. It was our very first try in and the studio. This... So when I listen to it nowadays, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it, I mean, nowadays you can send tracks back and forth on the computer and everything else. But back now, back then, even with Midnight Resistance, you were, I guess, everyone was meeting at the studio, kind of laying down their tracks together. But without a producer for a bunch of kids, that we must were, have been very, very difficult. We were living in that studio like, like a big adventure, having fun, pushing everything possible. Uh, it was... <laughs> Click and go and see you in the end. Whatever it is, is going to be good. <laughs> or oh, we got to do it again from scratch, you know. And those were funny days. We, we, we really had the, the garage attitude. So we were not like, you know, nowadays music has become a bit too much fake, in my opinion. It, everything sounds perfect. Everything sounds fake because whoever plays an instrument and listens to the new, these albums, they know it's fake. It's, some of the music we listen to nowadays, it's not possible to be done that way live. So back then, right. it was the opposite. It was the garage attitude. Let's go, push that button, and see everybody in the end. Then we had the post-production. I did all the keyboards or some funny sound. I was, I was playing with my multi-effect uh, Digitech, and I was saying, this sounds good. Rec open a track, I'm going to do something. What, what are you going to do? I don't know, but just push record and I see. And, and that's how we recorded at the very end, the, the, the outro of, um, of No Limits. It, it, it was a nice sound on the Digitech. And when we did, and we recorded Looking For. It was not a song. There was no idea. Fabio had some idea was about to sing on that. We had to add some lyric randomly. Yeah, it was complete fun. That's great. Um, I'm curious, how did you meet the other members of the band uh, before you got together to record the album? Yeah, well, as I told you, we were a three-pieces band. And uh, the first thing I, I wanted was to find a singer because I really didn't like... And, and, you know, I was the only guitar. I was playing rhythm guitars, solos, singing... That was too much of a rock star for me. I mean, I don't like that. Everything was on me. And I said, okay, I want to sing. <laughs> Before we could find a singer, we anyway replaced the, the drummer. Our old drummer, Federico Cecchini, um, he, he played in some other, other bands later. Now I, I don't remember. But he was the typical trash metal drummer, you know, double kick. And he said we were becoming too complicated, too melodic and, and too complete. We were starting to have odd, odd tempos 
and seven on eight, 11 on 10. And then they say, I don't understand the things. I'm going to quit. <laughs> that's when Frank Handiver, that's when, so we first had a new drummer, that's Frank. Uh, Andrea was our best player. And, and the other Andrea joined us a bit later. So even before finding the, the, the singer, we were with a new drummer and with a second guitar player. Because again, when I was playing live as a trio, that's cool if you are Motorhead. Uh, that's cool if you are Venom. But if you want to play something more technical and you need more instruments on stage, simply. So we found... Yeah, the, the very, very the different world. sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, know, well, um, you, know, you, you think of something. Yeah, go. Did you go uh, into the studio with all the songs kind of written and, and, and kind of mapped out? Or did you go in there with a bunch of ideas and just kind of experiment with with, with everything, including the, the mix? No, no, no. We Back then, we were a band rehearsing like five days per week. So when we entered the studio, all the songs were in our head. Then, right. after, we, after we recorded the thing, we had some time to play with some special effects or, or keyboards or, or something like that. But as I told you, those were the garage days. There was no way to enter the studio without having any idea because you couldn't make it. You couldn't make it. There was the metronome right. saying, tick, 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 one, two, three, four, and you had to play it to the end. <laughs> so what was interesting to me is that when I was going back to the album, again, this is an album that we've listened to countless times over the years. But what I noticed oh, okay. was that it's very, very keyboard driven. In yeah. certain, the, the keyboards are very high up in the mix and even yeah. the drums are very high up in the mix, and your guitars are a little bit more understated. Where on Return to Heaven Denied, <laughs> obviously the guitars would be higher up in the mix. Was that a was that a decision you did on purpose, yeah. or was that just kind of the way it worked no. out? No, I tell you what happened. Those were the early years when the digital started. Not replacing, but being put together with analog. And as I told you, we were alone in the studio. So that with that album, we found out that the digital sounds much louder than the analog. <laughs> it's killing the frequencies mm. of the analog uh, guitars and bass uh, and drums. The drums on the limits are real drums. Frank actually played, but they were the first Alesis D7 triggers. So the, the real drums were processed into digital sound. That's why they sound so powerful. They were actually sounding cool. We were loving those drums. But then in the mix, we realized keyboards and drums, digital sound was killing the analog. We were too young. Ah. We had no experience. And we couldn't, we couldn't change it anymore. And you know what? Not only us, but everybody back then was not so obsessed with the sound, with the quality. It, it's it's pl there's plenty of albums back then with a let's say a bad production, which we all enjoy. 
I remember a band. Oh from, yeah, from I mean. You remember there's a band from, from the United States was called Holy Terror. Yep. Yeah. And it's I love it's, them. It's, and there's almost there's almost yeah, a I love um, them. a charm to it. Yeah. 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 It's when I listen to like I, I mentioned Holy Terror because it's the first band that I, I can recall with a very horrible production, but still nowadays when I when I listen to them, I like it. And I wouldn't ever want yeah. them to remix or, or re-record that. that leave, leave everything to the time, into the time it belongs. Don't, don't change it. it. It's horrible. That's, if you ask me, have you ever thought about redoing it? Yeah, but we will never do it because it would be horrible. It would sound better, but it would, it would be horrible. Um. <laughs> What was uh, some of your your and the rest of the band's influences going into recording this album as far as there's obviously power metal influence influences but th- there's also um techno influences as well so like talk about yeah, some of the yeah. influences that 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 came about like that okay. uh influenced you when making this album Thanks for asking it first of all the word power metal didn't exist Oh, well, it did, but power metal for us was the American power metal from bands like Riot. Back then, we were supposed and we were considered to be melodic speed metal. We had no mm. idea about what power metal was. I'm talking about 95, 94. The first bands were already there, but power metal was not in any newspaper or in any magazine. So nobody knew about this power metal thing. It came out during the Return to Ever Denied recordings. And there's something funny I can tell you about that also. But uh, as you ask me, how, how was it? Uh, why we added so many techno keyboards? The album is, is it, we named it No Limits because we didn't want to have any limit. Everybody was trying to tell us what to do. You, you got to be more technic, you're technical, you got to play more melodic, you got to be faster. And we thought, okay, how can we piss everybody off? And back then, if you were a metalhead, <laughs> you were definitely not to mix things up with dance or techno music. Then we say, okay, let's do it. Nobody ever did it from what we knew back then. There was no YouTube, no internet. We want to piss everybody off because that's what metal was. You know, you remember those days when you were playing metal, you were supposed to be against the system. And we didn't want to copy Halloween or to copy Metallica or to copy anybody. So I say, what can we do that they did back then? They pissed somebody when they came out and we want to do it. So how can we do it? Dance, that was perfect. The first people had their hair going up, like, what are you doing? Are you mixing dance with metal? Yeah, we're going to do it. And it was very funny. We actually liked techno music. It's very aggressive. So the two things were... I'll tell you this. I, um, I had a lot of friends that loved techno music, and they were not metal fans, right? These were guys that they would go to the club and they would listen to their techno. 
I played, and this, I'm going back to when I was much younger, but, you know, around 2000, 2001. And I played them Vertigo from this album. And it was the first time that I played a song that they completely got into and that they said, you know, this sounds like an extension of what we listen to when we go to the clubs. And it was just a really interesting uh, mix between the two because they saw what I loved, but I think appreciated that particular song because it was, it reminded them of the club scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe so. Many people had the same reaction. Uh, Vertigo is, is a cover from one of the most popular musicians in techno. It's uh, Rex Anthony. And even then yep. people, the metal guys were shocked, like they were expecting us to play a cover from Iron Maiden, Metallica, and we did a techno cover. The metal guys didn't even know it was a cover, you know? They didn't know it. They say, which weird song you, you, you wrote? And they said, we didn't write anything. It's a cover. <laughs> and then people, no YouTube, but some people really freaked out trying to find the original CD from, from, from that artist. <laughs> Well, incidentally, that was the song that at least I heard first. That was the first Labyrinth song that I heard because I had a friend that said, you have got to hear this song. I've never heard anything like it before. And we, I'll never forget, I told this story on our last podcast. We were in a friend's basement. This was in, you know, 1997, 1998. And he pumped the volume all the way up on his stereo and he played Vertigo. And I was absolutely blown away i'd never heard anything like that before so it's kind of funny that you were really trying to piss people off but That's, you actually were making fans and you were also no, making no, fans no. But, because uh, i'd never heard anything uh, like that before i meant it in a good way as i said right. <laughs> heavy metal and rock in general has always meant transgression being transgressive and if you adapt to a genre and you copycat what others are doing, you're not being transgressive. There's no transgression in that. So we say we must find a way to piss people off. If we want people to talk about us, they must be angry about us. <laughs> we didn't expect people to like it that much. But then we were like, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> and Ken would le- Ken Taylor would leave the band after this album, right? Because uh, I think more than any other release by Labyrinth, this had the techno feel that you moved away from after yeah. this album, but yeah. he seemed to be one of the driving forces behind it. Well, no, not actually. Uh, yeah, of course, it was very yeah. important. Ken Taylor's real name is Luca Contini, and after that, he wrote many, many important disco dance hits for the, yeah. for the music in the music market. So, if people want to have fun and go and go search for that, it will, they will find it was a disco, a disco musician, uh, more melodic than than the techno, but still a very good one in there. We were very friend with him, and and uh, the thing happened naturally. Uh, when people say why you didn't follow with that, I tell you what: one thing is to make such a big surprise and and shock people. Another thing would have been to repeat it and and risk it to be repetitive, which right. our history after 25 years shows we never wanted to repeat ourselves. Maybe it's the biggest mistake we ever done. Maybe we would have 
got our spot uh, higher, but we never liked the idea of repeating it. We would have lost the, the first album. The meaning was to piss people off. The second one, if we did it the same, it would have been like, okay, we had success. Now let, let's let's <laughs> let's size the opportunity and and keep on doing what people like. And we wanted to piss people off again, so we say, okay, let's change and, and let's do something different. But so, but uh, before I die. I will probably release some demo version of Return to Heaven Denied with the same keyboard style we had in No Limits because we originally that would be really we cool. originally <laughs> tried we originally tried and I was one of the first in the band really saying it doesn't work it doesn't work it, it's it's exactly what people expected and it cannot work so we we, wow. we accepted I, and we changed. I, I think that uh, as we come up on 25 years for that album, maybe a good time to release some yeah, of those yeah. demos. And I can tell you that the first song we we tried in that, that style, No Limit style, was um, New Horizons. I have a New Horizons version. And, and you can hear still the, the beat and the feel. It's still there. We could have used the keyboards that way, but we didn't feel like anything. I was telling Chris when we recorded the podcast on, on No Limits, I said there were sections of Midnight Resistance that actually remind me of New Horizons. So yeah. it's funny you mentioned that because yeah. I can actually hear parallels between those two songs. Absolutely, absolutely. One day I will probably upload something for the fun <laughs> of, of people listening to it, those who are still interested. <laughs> That's great. Um, so tell us about these um, stage names that you uh, used because this was something that uh, we, we, we've been talking about for a very long time. We, where, do, where do we come up with names like, uh, you know, Joe Terry and, oh. uh, you know, Ken Taylor? Okay. Please. Well, simply, during the recording of our demo tape, Midnight Resistance, if you can look at the, at the label, you would notice we were using our real names. Yes. And fact is, every label we wrote, everyone but this Andreas Reisnauer, told us, your music sounds good, but you guys, come on, you are Italians, you should do pop music, you, you, can, you cannot play metal, Italians don't play metal. And, and every label was like, good music, guys, but sorry, doesn't cannot work. <laughs> and this Andreas liked the band, he wanted to release the band, but he as well told us let's see what to do with your names, because you know, you're Italians. And there was this big, big problem back then. Now I know nowadays it sounds crazy, because Labyrinth, Rhapsody, but we're talking like four, five, three, four, five years before that happened. And really, right. no chance, no chance. I tell you, like, everybody, your music is good, but sorry, you are Italian. Basically, what, <laughs> not in these terms, but, <clears throat> I mean, they, they put it a bit sweeter, but that was the taste of the letters we were receiving. So, okay, we were in the studio already going for piece of time, the EP. And we were supposed to release it like, you know, 
<laughs> with real names. But then we were mentioning this and we say <clears throat> right away in the studio, five, five, five seconds, choose one name. And then it was Frank Candyville, okay, choose another name, Anders Rain. Choose another name, and then Chris Breeze. We laugh so much about why you choose Breeze. What? what That's why Breeze. Amazing. <clears throat> because it was farting. That's why it was Breeze. He was the one farting. <laughs> that, that you want to know the secret behind the names. In my case, my, my friends already called me Olaf because, yeah, first of all, my look, and I really don't feel cold in winter. So I, I was going out <clears throat> in Christmas. I was going with my T-shirt, like Sepultura T-shirt, and my Levis trucker jeans jacket. You know? So they were, they were always saying, it's a Viking, it's a Viking, it doesn't feel cold. Olaf, I was already like, Olaf the Viking, then Thor, Olaf Thor, because I, I was a bit reassembling, and then the son of Thor is Thorsen. Then, then they say, okay, Olaf the son of Thor. And they, they were, okay, we call you like Olaf Thorsen. And that's how we were going. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then, the, since the demo was just a demo, there was no internet, nobody could know, the agreement with Maurizio, the, 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 the guy from underground, they say, I'm going to present you without saying where you're from, like an international band. Ah. And that's how it worked. We had, right away, just with a, the album was not even released yet, and we got our contract with Taichiko Records. It was a major label in, in Japan. And we jumped in the charts. We've been in the, in the top, uh, I think we jumped from sixth position to second position for six months in a row. And, and our, even magazines from Italy, they were calling us. We were having those back telephone calls interview. And they were trying to, to speak English to me. And, <clears throat> and they were saying... In your biography, is not mentioned where you guys are from. So where are you from? And I say, well, you know, we are, I'm from Scandinavia. One, <laughs> one is from the States. One is from Norwegian, Norway. And it was like mysterious. I have some friends from the Italian magazines. Still nowadays, they are hating me because they couldn't speak good English and they were really struggling to have the interview. And I was playing with them. Sometimes they were asking a question. I say, say it again, please. You don't understand. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bubble exploded. I mean, when we started touring, this was speaking Italian. Secret. <laughs> What was the um, what was the reason that Fabio didn't uh, stick around with Labyrinth after this album? Um, was was it because he joined Rhapsody, or, or did no, you no, want to no. have him uh, um, stay with the band? Well, actually, he joined Rhapsody after having left the band. Yeah, the reasons are very childish to be explained nowadays. I mean, once we are mature and man, we were too young. And, and and these no limits shaped things in a way we were not expecting. So we really said, what do we do now? And he started to receive uh, invitation from other bands. And we started having offers from labels, big labels, as it happened. Then we eventually signed to Metal Blade. And, uh, you know, we were 20 years old, 21, 22 
we had no manager. We had no one. And the, the Maurizio, the talent scout who found us, had to sell us right away during No Limits because No Limits was going too good. He didn't have the money to print all the copies he was asked for. So he says, guys, I am sorry, but I, I got to sell you. People are offering good money and we're going to share the money. It's been the only and, and by far the only and honest guy we ever met. He said, we're going to share the money, but uh, like Japan asked in one day, like, 10 more thousand, 10,000 more copies. And he said, I don't have the money for 10,000 copies. I can do that. And that's why he get uh, a big label from Italy specialized in dance music, stepped in and, and started uh, printing and releasing the, the copies and everything. That's how the business started. Uh, in all this, we got crushed. We got crushed. Nobody was taking care of us. You know, it was all a money thing contract thing, things were getting bigger, things were already expecting a new album and some of us just had a fight, you know, that's always happened and we just quit, we just quit to us it was not a big deal, it was a great singer but we were a garage band, we're going to find another one as we did and good luck to everybody and so it, right, yeah, it's weird and and it's and you guys were working together a couple of years later yeah, anyway, so it wasn't really like hard feeling. It was a cat fight. It was no nothing big. It was I don't <laughs> even remember the reason why, you know. But when you're twenty, you're very proud. You know, someone tells sure. someone say a word you didn't like it. The other one goes with the F word, and then nuclear war starts and then everybody <laughs> there, there's no telephone there was no cellular aspect there no email no way so you had to wait for the for the day after or two days after about it so things went then he left he, his plan was to go back to athena his his uh, previous band and then he, he had his offer to go and, and join this band rhapsody he got offered some money and we never saw money back then. So he said, why not? I'm going to do that. And, and then that's how he did it. <laughs> well, to be fair, me and Justin didn't get along that well in the 90s either. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'm curious, um, are, are there any songs from this album that really um, stick out to you that you really, um, even after all these years, that you really still... Uh, have a really strong affinity towards or, or that you just um, yeah, yeah. really still think are really great. And is there anything that maybe you would like to bring back into a live setting and play live? We, we, like, we, did. we were talking about how we were talking about how you played um, in the shade yeah. when we saw you the first time at Prague power USA. And we were so excited to hear a song from this album. So I'm just curious if there are other songs that you'd like to, play live or just that you we, have fond memories we of. did already we played no limits it's a song i absolutely we all absolutely love we played mortal sin once uh what what else uh, time has gone time has come time has come yeah that's mm -hmm. another song we played every now and then um well we, and then we also we also played many times, not not, not recently, but we, we often played also Miles Away from the EP. From the EP. Nice. So it's, it's an album we love. Um, 
In fact, when you play them live together with Return to Heaven Denied, we, we notice the difference. So we cannot really put the two albums together. We can play one or two songs, but no more, no more. But we, we always did. And once I remember we wanted to play Vertigo, but it sounds so trash metal nowadays. With When you play live with the new, I mean, with the good sound you have nowadays, it's it's not possible. We laugh. That I could just picture the I could picture the mosh pit just opening. Yeah, but that the song fact is playing. that we would probably end laughing on stage after thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, I want to give you a chance, and I and we obviously appreciate you coming on. What do you have? What do you have in the works? Um, yourself, obviously, the, the you know we you had the album that came out last year. It was I, I think it received a lot of great reviews, and I was wondering what does the future hold for Olaf Thorson, or should I say the Norwegian Thunder God? <laughs> no, well, for me uh, as a labyrinth, we are talking about the close future. We're starting to maybe talk about a new album, and. We are old enough not to be in a hurry. And, and I say, if we weren't in a hurry when we were young, imagine now. <laughs> That's, it's going to be when it's the right time, when we have the right song. We are, well, we are mentioning that for, the, for this new one, we really want to go back to the rehearsal room and we want to shut the computer down off. And we want to do it, the songwriting. I mean, we want to go in a rehearsal room, press record on something, and, and just see what comes. We want to try to have more fun that way because we are pretty sick about the computer and digital. I mean, of course, it's easy, it's fast, it's quick, but it's not there. It's not there. It's not a song. You write small pieces day after day. It sounds good but it, I know it's not there. It's not natural anymore. So right. we, we, we want to do this. We are starting to talk about renting a rehearsal room and do it the old style. Then, of course, the computer sooner or later will, will be part of the process, but not the first part. That's, that, that's what we think. Then personally, uh, with Vision Divine, I'm in this, this very moment, I'm busy with the songwriting of the new album it will be ready by it will be out by the end of the year, year i think with autumn Great. winter 2023 or maybe early 2024 which is more likely to me the label doesn't know but uh, i know <laughs> <laughs> but anyway we'll... our secret we won't, oh, we won't, yeah, we won't yeah. spoil that yeah. for that <laughs> it's okay and yeah i'm working on that i also have <coughs> Sorry, I was also having a chat with Mark Bowles, and maybe we consider when and we have some free time to start working on a third Shining Black, which to me it's it's a very it's a very good uh, experience. You know, Mark is an unbelievable musician. It, I mean, I have been his number one fan of these years, and from to me knowing I'm making music with him, it's out of this world. I mean, I would never give up on that. Yeah. Plus, it's very melodic. I, I can 
I can free my mind. You know, I don't have to go with all the neoclassical or technical progressive. Right. It's very relaxing. I enjoy every single second we 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 do together, and and that's it. I guess it's it's even more than enough for a single person with some years on his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I I. It's funny because uh, we we sometimes joke. Um, who's in more bands right now, uh, Olaf or Fabio? Uh, oh, well, that's, that's, but I think that's... I think you might be. I think you're. I think you might be winning now. No, I think it would never be. We we. I mean, you you cannot defeat Fabio. I guess in that. I, 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 <laughs> that's, that's that's the boss level. You know that's. Yeah, he's a bu- he's a busy guy. He, he I he he pops up all over the place. Yeah. Um, before we go. There's, we had one question from one of our uh, our, our loyal listeners, Adam, and, and he's he we kind of connected with him about No Limits a while ago that he lo- he loves this album so much, and he wanted to ask you this question. He wanted to know if you could list some of your favorite um, European techno songs from the '90s that might have influenced okay. uh, this album from back then. Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you my. Uh, well, the, the trance music in general, if you don't know what it is, open Google, pl- search for trance music, anything you will find, that's my piece of cake. If you want to know my favorite band, absolutely, there's. I give you one song. So I leave you with one song to, to press on YouTube and listen to it. Because that was the first song we wanted to cover. And in the end, it was not violent enough but it's very it's very it's basically heavy metal the band is usura u-s-u-r-i no u-s-u-r-e-a yeah a usura datura d-a-t-u-r-i and the song is called infinity when you listen to that i can promise you it's like a lost song from No Limits. <laughs> I think we might have to post that this week uh, wow. for Labyrinth Week. It sounds very 90s. I mean, the sound is, of course, it's, it's the typical dance techno, but that song was unbelievable. It has, it has a very melodic refrain, chorus, and... Originally, we wanted to cover that, but it, it was sounding too similar to the song we already wrote, so we chose Vertigo in the end. <laughs> nice. I, uh, I'm going to give that a listen this week, and I'll even post it on our, yeah, our social media because yeah. I want other people to hear that as well. So thank you to Adam for the question, and um, thank you for opening up my mind because I guarantee you I would have never listened to this song but for this conversation, so thank you. You're more than welcome. Um, with that being said, uh, we wish you nothing but the best. We thank you for the time and uh, thank you for taking this little trip down memory lane. And as we talked about yeah. the uh, the beginning days of Labyrinth, and we can look forward to new music from both Labyrinth and Vision Divine yeah, thank you in the not so distant future. Thank you very much, guys. Always a pleasure talking with you. And my best wishes to everyone listening to us. And stay safe. I hope things are better in, in, in the States as they are here. So I remember the, the, fir- the first time we talked, <laughs> things were not exactly. <laughs> oh. 
we're we're in a better place now, but uh, we can always hope for better tomorrow. Yeah, so yeah, that's it, that's what I can say it's about that. it's still there. So still safe. Yeah. safe and thank you very much for this funny funny evening. Have a good day. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Bye bye. Thanks, Olaf. Appreciate it.